Biggest moment of a legendary career. Phil defeats Father Time. Welcome to the Little Birdie Podcast, a unique look into the world of sports betting through the eyes of professional punters. I'm your host, Scoot, and I'm joined by the kid, MG. Mark, how are you, mate? Good, Nick. How are yourself? Mate, I'm up and about. I'm an angry little ant this week, and uh, everything's been uh, going on this weekend. It was uh, a bit of a hellish week at Little Birdie headquarters. It started off with the Lone Wolves. We dusted the big bank, Troy and Paddy. I thought they saw them really well, but... There's a couple of dogs that went out to three-length, four-length, six-length leads and then just got mowed down. It was just a death by a thousand cuts. It was just awful. Yeah, we were um, Yeah, we were in a lot of contests, weren't we? <laughs> we, uh, we led into the straight in a lot. We, we certainly got some cheers for our, uh, for our bank um, mm. and then they uh, obviously got to a point where everyone wants to uh, bull rush the finish. No one wants to sit with the dividends. So the uh, last couple of races they were told to go on with it, blast out kind of thing. So, um, yeah, a lot of seconds, but um, I think a lot of fun was had by all as well. And very educational too, those boys. They're very good at calling in the run. Mm. So um, even though the uh, the profit and loss didn't go our way, the uh, education going forward I think was good. So uh, they're good boys and they'll, uh, they'll come back uh, Lone Wolf Surrey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they had a bet in Albion Park to get half the dividend back and it's run second again. So it was uh, it was a bit of a filthy night, but... Um, yeah, it was a bit of a roller coaster. The punt, uh, the races were good. Uh, the AFL was tough. Couple of sick beats there, but uh, lefty. How good was Phil Mickelson and and Big Daddy Fraser? He uh, he was bullish. Brooks Kepka pre tournament. He's run second, and then for uh, for the little bit, oh, the Big Daddy Majors uh, subscribers, he gave a little uh, third up for after third round push for Phil Mickelson. So uh, anyone that had subscribed saved on Phil, and I definitely pressed Phil. I couldn't have. Phil going into that last day, and there was a really interesting stat out there. Five of eight times Phil's been in the final two pairings. He's gone on to close out, and I think you get about four twenty. I took with Top Sport on uh, on Sunday night, so it was uh, it was a fantastic watch Monday morning, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it helps when you've got. Uh, <laughs> it helps when you're invested at Kepka at uh, the plus fifty to one. Yeah. So, um, guys who watch the uh, golf show or follow Big Daddy, they were in a good position uh, if they'd followed through with his bets. So, Mickelson was. Uh, I think more an easy wager for you than uh, you know your skill there. I think you were priced in to have to have to back him, sit mm. back and watch. So yeah, you didn't have a sweat on the uh, last day. Unfortunately, I uh, I just rode Kepka home and uh, come up seconds again. So <laughs> it was uh, it was a bit of a tough week, but uh, you know, I, I, again, I think I got good value for my money. Just uh, <laughs> didn't show a profit for the week. Mm, some character building moments and uh, oh, we've all taken a tumble on lock of the week the roosters for men top rope that's killed us and mark was in the driver's seat until melbourne uh, melbourne couldn't find couldn't find the line and the adelaide crows found the line there's been a lot of talk about uh, the deliberate out of bounds afl are finally owning up to a couple of errors the uh the deliberate out of bounds and and the uh, nick holman uh from the gold coast suns he's now got off his two weeks but uh the d's weren't they flat yeah, it didn't help the repair bill in the office downstairs. Uh, <laughs> a few walls have taken a hit uh, over the weekend. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. The umpire was looking straight at the uh, deliberate out of bounds and uh, decided to uh, not put the whistle to the mouth. Um, wasn't too costly, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> the charity uh, is filthy. They've gone right. down by a point and I was uh, basically this week away from uh, hopefully landing the uh, magical 5K and now we're all back to, uh, to scratch again, so... Um, top sports continue to uh, beat us in lock of the week. But, um, 
Oh, well, we'll start to build the blocks again. Exactly. Thank God we got the uh, $10,000 in through the bulldozer for raise.org.au. And we'll have to tally up. We've uh, we've done some amazing work over the last 12 months, and we'll do a bit of a tally of all the money that we've raised for charity. There's a couple of people out there that reckon we're not doing our fair bit for charity, which is uh, absolutely crazy. We've... Uh, uh, there's been a major, major donation uh, from Tristan and uh, we've tried to help. And so have the punters in the chat rooms. Uh, they've found a few winners to get us on the way. But uh, let's have a look at the AFL Round 10 results here and we'll get the bookie wrap up on the screen. If you're listening uh, via Apple or one of the podcast channels, um, I'll read it out anyway. So Round 10, and they went 7 of 9, the favourites, at 78%. The line was 5 of 9 at 56 and the total over 6 and 9. And for the season there... Uh, we've got 65 out of 90 favourites at 72%. The line's 45 and 81 at 50%. And the overs again, 48 out of 81 at 53%. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a really uh, tricky round for betting. And the two I launched into was the Cats, which was an absolutely horrible standard of football and I sat in here and I was betting on the races and watching the footy with you and I've never seen you carry on like that on a game of football but the standard was just woeful for that long they didn't uh, cover the total which was mind-boggling and then it was just absolute horror that that match you'd obviously invested a, a ton of money on the game but um gee they had a lot of chances and just squandered yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a uh, link game, that one. We had uh, invested in the line. Um, we bet up early from 35 and it closed 42, so you get your chips in at the best. Um, also bet the uh, over total. Uh, start of 155, close 160 um, and come up just short both ways. So uh, Geelong took too long to get in gear. Mm. Um, Gold Coast did kick some uh, fortunate goals. I mean, they were highly skilled, but, um, yeah, the difference come up a goal short both ways. So... Uh, yeah, it was a costly game um, and uh, didn't sit well mid-Saturday afternoon. But uh, anyway, um, move on. Collingwood turned up to play, which was interesting against uh, Port Adelaide. There's a bit of COVID floating around the Port-Collingwood game and Port looked like they had COVID for the first three quarters. <laughs> and it was amazing the money for Collingwood and they responded. But I, uh, I was really peeved because Port got themselves in a position to cover and then I think there was like two or three holding the balls where Collingwood players spun around and Port got the worst rub against the umpires all match and then those final uh, holding the balls not to let them cover and the momentum of the game completely switched and then Collingwood nearly pinched the game. It was yeah. it was crazy to see how much effect the umpiring had by not paying complete obvious holding the balls. I'm not saying that just because I'm talking through my kick, but then you've got the Grundy decision late and everyone's up in arms about that. But yeah. rewind another five minutes and Port should never have been in that position. Yeah, the uh, yeah, unfortunately the umpiring is what it is. I mean, we've, we've um, bashed it to death a few times this year. Um, you know, the AFL have actually come out and said the last two weeks, I think they've made a point without making an official statement that they think the umpiring's going really well. Um, unfortunately, both weeks they've had to admit um, umpire error, mm. both uh, potentially costing uh, game-changing results. So I'm not sure where the AFL's at the moment. Um, I think they might be struggling a bit. They're of, all at sea. Well, I think they might be struggling from a bit of COVID as well because they're, uh, they're in slow motion at the moment. Um, they've got a lot of issues in the game. Um, and probably just a bit cancelled out by the NRL, kind of joined them at the party. I think maybe the NRL, felt, maybe Landy's felt a bit sorry for the AFL and actually joined them. Um, 
creating equal chaos. Um, yeah, it wasn't well umpired, um, but Port had no excuses early. They were disgraceful. They were awful. Con- yeah, I mean, Collingwood didn't play well either. They kicked three goals in the first five minutes. Um, they started well, and then their last three quarters were equally disgraceful. Um, it's as hungry as I've seen Collingwood nearly all year, though. Well, I just, I just don't think they've got the uh, the power up forward. No, they've got no cattle. Score, so they, they just play an ugly, you know, they basically do what Freeman have done in Scrap. previous years. Mm. They just bring it down to a level where they can compete and mm. hopefully, um, f- you know, eke out a few wins. But, um, yeah, I think going forward um, for Collingwood games, um, you've got to tend to back the unders as well um, just because of their game style. They realise they can't kick more than about 70 or 80 points, so they just bring the game down to a level. So Port did well to scrap it out, but, geez, the betting in the last five minutes would have been interesting because, as you said, um, Port were actually in front of a line. They had a chance to cover, didn't mm. hold on, and then Collingwood had a chance to pinch it late. So um, live betting would have been uh, crazy in the last couple of minutes there. Mm. There's still massive, massive opportunities to bet live, so make sure you've got your finger on the trigger ready to go. Let's have a look at uh, the hits and misses, where the uh, big money has gone from last week. The Geelong line was a massive go, 35.5 to 42.5, 155 to 160 over, so they're both missing. The Adelaide line was a hit, 30.5 into 24.5. The Western Bulldogs, wow, 18.5 to 23.5. I think you tipped up uh, 60-plus to your subscribers as well in that one. The Saints are just hapless at the moment. Uh, Fremantle total, 154 to 132. That was a miss. Uh, The weather never really came there. West Coast Eagles, 2.5 to 4.5. Wow, West Coast have been disappointing on the road, and I think it's time... To, to jump off that wagon. Badly burnt when uh, West Coast played Geelong on the road and again uh, they should have accounted for them. They just they they look out of out of sync on the road. They're awful. Yeah. Um yeah, I just think going forward at the moment until West Coast start showing the ability to win away from home. I think they've got Carlton next in two weeks' time, which again looks a winnable game. Um early predictions is you know, West Coast will probably start slight favourites in the game, so um, you know, Carlton definitely uh, one of the sides we've opposed most of the year, but um, it might be a non-betting game, I think, in two weeks' time, Carlton West Coast to, uh, to sit out, I think. Mm, Carlton were, uh, were lacklustre against Hawthorne, I thought, in perfect conditions, which is uh, just shows how bad the game is at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that at this stage I'd probably have to fancy Carlton in that one. Uh, Collingwood, uh, they were a hit 18.5 to 14.5. A little bit lucky there. Port didn't really turn up, as we've said. And then the Essendon line. 19.5 to 22.5, that was a hit. The Bombers, they uh, they copped a bit of criticism. Well, Ben Rutten um, was under fire early in the season, a lot of people doubting him as the coach. I think Essendon are going a little bit better than, uh, you know, what they've been giving credit for. They've had a couple of tough losses. Yeah, uh, I think the Hawthorne game, they, yeah, they just lost. They were in front, had a big margin. The Sydney game. Yeah. I think they've had three losses under three points. Mm. I think Hawthorne was a one point. Sydney might have been two. Um, so yeah, they could easily have uh, two or three wins the other way. Um, yeah, they did only beat the Kangaroos on the weekend. Um, so let's not get too excited about that. But you can only beat who's in front of you. They put 140 points on the board. They controlled the game early. Um, they got a lot of upside. You know, they're, they're three they're three new recruits. Mm. Um, uh, haven't tied at all. They're playing really well. Um, I think Cox on the wing is going to be a star. Mm. Um, some of the things he does um, once he once he gets through his gears of the next you know year two year three. Um, he could be a real player, but their midfield's on fire. Yeah, it is. Um, Parish, Merritt, and McGrath. Um, you know, right now their midfield alone could match, uh, 
you know, probably not quite what the Bulldogs in Brisbane are doing, but geez, they're not far out. So, yeah, the Essendon supporters are getting um, good value for their, their year so far for sure. And uh, I think I, I know quite a few Essendon supporters, um, whether that's fortunate or not, but uh, they, uh, they're they generally happy and they always come back to their, their close losses and where we could have been. They think they should be in the eight, but, you know, at the start of the year they were happy to be out of the bottom four. So, um, no, nah, there's good signs for Essendon. Mm. That uh, they, they must be doing good things on and off the field there. But uh, we did a little bit of a poll. We threw that out. We're going to get the graphic up on the screen. And uh, for those listening at uh, home on the podcast, who's doing the more most damage to their code, uh, Stephen Hawking or Peter Valandis? And uh, uh, about 383 uh, of our followers completed this one, and 68.4% have voted Peter Valandis over Hawking, 31.6%. So that's our sting in the tail this week. Uh, what is going on at the moment with this uh, unrest amongst the fans? Well, I just think uh, I don't know. It's almost become weekly at the moment. There's um, it's a know. tit for tat. You think you'd think that the NRL and AFL are in competition with each other? Yeah, it's a worse off at the moment. Mm. It really is. Um, we're we're probably not as privy down here media wise to the um, the NRL goings on, but obviously we get a lot of feedback oh, on, daily, on Twitter. Daily. It's uh, yeah, I've never seen it like it. True. I mean, yeah, but we don't. Well, I guess we don't get the same exposure. I mean, we can watch um, the shows on Foxtel and stuff. We we do get a lot of feedback uh, almost hourly from Top Rope. Um, you know, he's got a long list of the greatest hits going on at the moment. Uh, his man Volandis. Um, you know, but the AFL of what we see down here, they've they've had as many issues so far through ten rounds as they've had in most years. You know, and after coming through COVID last year, where I thought they did an exceptional job um, in real trying conditions. Uh, you know they they did a lot of things right last year. Mm. This year's been a de- you know nothing short of a debacle so far for them. Um, yeah. They 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 can't seem to get much right, um, and now they've got real issues internally with um, you know I, I think Steve Hocking you know he's he's one man but he's the head of it, um, and there's a lot of things going wrong under his uh, his management. And you know now what's what's gone on this week with the uh, the tribunal is um, you know as confusing for players and fans, and you see. Jack Rewald, Eddie Betts on TV last night. They don't know which way decisions are going to go. They mm. don't know how to tackle anymore. Um, so now you're starting to cut into the fabric of the game, and uh, players are being taught, you know, one way, and all of a sudden you want to change. It's not as easy mm. as you think. And then when uh, you know we have two players that get concussed from different incidents, um, they suspend them both, which doesn't show the tribunal doing its job right. Then they let one off. Um, you know, I, I think being a contact sport, things are going to happen. And unless the intent is malice, I don't see how you can get suspended. Mm. They're just always going to happen, these accidents. Like Lockie Plowman, if you're running for the ball, you don't know if you're going to beat that player or mark the ball or be there before him. And so you've got a split second. And I was taught from a very early age to protect yourself when you go to the contest or you'll get hurt. And if be only naturally, I mean, they, they love someone to in break. slow motion. But if you show it in normal speed, it's fine. A human always braces upon contact. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter That's what, what they're going to hit, whether it's a moving object or you run into something. Um, and, you know, I've heard some commentators talking about it, media con- commentators talking about he should have gone the punch. Well, when it's shown in slow-mo, his fist actually hits the ball. Mm. So at the end of the day, he actually does spoil the ball. Unfortunately, his shoulder takes uh, makes contact with his head coming back. And as a result, unfortunately, he gets suspended. But... If he doesn't get concussed, there's no, you know, there's no free kick in it. It's play on, and it's actually a great contest mm. between two boys showing great courage. Um, so they've got it wrong. 
you know, plain and simple, they've got it wrong. Whether the rules are set up that way or not, it's not it's not how we want to see the game by the players playing it or the fans watching it. Mm. An interesting one was Lockie Hunter. He he took the, a really courageous mark. He went back with a fly to the ball. And nearly his own player, uh, Jason Johannesson, nearly collected him. So what happens if Johannesson knocks him out by accident because he's going 100 miles a, an hour at the ball and he gets knocked out? Do we start to give him a, like a week? Because if it's a result-based system... Well, you start rubbing out players from the same team. If they want to completely eradicate all these accidents from concussion, like it doesn't make any sense that this is a contact sport. If you said it, I think you said it about eight weeks ago. If the AFL are worried about head injuries, put everyone in helmets. Yeah. If they're worried about concussion, if the insurance companies are cracking down, not just in AFL, in NRL, make make helmets mandatory and see what happens. Players will strike and players will revolt. And I tell you what, what's happening up in the NRL at the moment? The Sydney Roosters players they're starting to go up up in arms, and I can't wait to talk to Top Rope about it later. Like Victor Radley, um, like Gus Gould's starting to throw haymakers at Peter Volandis. He's got him offside. The Roosters players are starting to be up in arms, and mm. they targeted their halfback Walker on the weekend, yeah. and Victor Radley went to fly the flag. I tell you what, yeah, it's it was, a, it was a classic sucking job almost, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they went after the small bloke, um, expecting the Roosters to stand up for their man, which is what you do in any um, team sport. Uh, you got to protect your own, uh, and you know at the end of the day, they they went out against the Roosters because now they've got two uh, two key players on suspension going forward. So um, you know it's again whether it's in the spirit of the game, um, you know the fans and the players both have the same expectations. Unfortunately, the rules governing the two bodies, the, uh, the sports at the moment, aren't backing them up for the contest, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So yeah, if you your first step is to definitely, I would say, wear mouth guards and helmets. Um, 50%, it was reported the other day on one of those um, review shows that 50% of AFL players aren't wearing mouth guards. Yeah, so so how can they come out and, you know, I understand for juniors, they come out and they want to give the mantra that it's player safety and all this and how, how it looks for juniors coming through and then you turn around and you say, we're well, not wearing a mouth guard. Mm. You know, and if players, especially after players have a concussion, I think helmets going forward should definitely be mandatory on a player. That should be the very least that the AFL should impose, in my opinion. Mm. You know, you have players with several concussions. Some players get unlucky. Some people just play those positions, I guess, where they're, um, you know... More susceptible. Yeah, more susceptible. Some players go through 10, 12 years without getting concussed at all. So we understand it's not for everyone, but some players, you know, like Paul McCartan from St Kilda, mm. remember Cozzy from St Kilda back going back a while, just used to get knocked out on a weekly basis. Dunstall used to wear a helmet? Yeah, so I, I don't understand why that rule's not in place. If, if they're serious about it, then l- at least show some conviction and, mm. and at least trial it for a year. Why, why can't they trial it for a year that everyone has to wear mouth guards, everyone has to wear helmets and see how far the concussion rate actually drops? Um, yeah, there's things that they can be doing, I think. So we'll see. Mm, it's an absolute uh, mess at the moment, and that uh, goes across both codes. So can't wait to talk to Top Rope Tedeschi. We're going to have a look at uh, Round 11 AFL, Round 12 with uh, Top Rope Tedeschi. Uh, the charity bet lock of the week, as we said, the D's uh, cost mark. He was about to uh, shoot for the 5K mark, and the Roosters upset the apple cart for me and Top Rope. The Broncos, wow, they've found another gear somehow, and it's uh, French Open time, and Ace... 
uh, is going to join us. Uh, that's Steve Quick, and he's going to have a look at uh, the action at Roland Garros. It feels like an eternity since we've had uh, a big uh, Grand Slam, so can't wait for that. Uh, Mark used to trade tennis for Pinnacle, so he'll uh, give his insights there. Make sure you uh, check out punningform.com.au. They've done some upgrades at the moment for their uh, sectional pro form subscribers. They've uh, included some uh, new data, some barrier and lane uh, information, and that's for track bias. And they've also uh, updated jockey and trainer statistics. So I think it's around two ninety seven per month. Um, there's a lot of people on the Twitter sphere, and myself included, uh, punning form. Without that, uh, yeah, it is a massive, massive game changer. I couldn't do the form without it. So make sure uh, you check out their latest uh, updates. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and uh, we'll come back and preview all of AFL Round 11. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I'm joined by the kid, MG, and it's AFL around 11 time. Coronavirus has hit Melbourne, so all of a sudden the fans could be locked out of Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne. You'd be sick if you're a Melbourne supporter. You've finally got a Friday night blockbuster. You're top of the table with the Bulldogs, and you just want to get sardine into Marvel Stadium, and all of a sudden the coronavirus strikes. Let's have a look at the market, uh, courtesy of Top Sport. The dollar sixty-three, the Bulldogs, uh, the D's two thirty-three, the Lions six and a half. Fascinating uh, match this. Yeah, D's off a uh, D's off a loss over in Adelaide. What price would they have been if they had a one? Uh, oh, I just think they would have been around Pickham. I think uh, you know two weeks ago when everyone thought Melbourne, um, you know, would take care of Adelaide, um, which are strong favourites to do. Um, the game was tracking to be about a pick and I think that's what it would have been. It's not too far from that. Like, um, you can't win every game. Um, and, uh, you know, we've already seen a uh, slight indication that it's come back from Melbourne. Bulldogs open at minus 7.5. Uh, we've seen some bookies this morning go to minus 5.5. So I think that's about right. I think uh, anywhere from that 4 to 6 range for the Bulldogs, being at the Dome as opposed to the MCG. If it was at the MCG, I think Melbourne would be slight favourites. Mm, so how was this game... Won or lost, who's the who needs to fire for the Bulldogs to win? Uh, well, I just think they need to keep going the way they are. The Bulldogs, I think they're chock full of confidence. You've seen, uh, you know, they've got a lot of stats going for it at the moment. They're mm. actually the number one offense, number one defense in the comp, which after ten rounds is uh, unusual. Yeah, not uh, a bad effort. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a bad effort. Uh, you're normally one or the other to have both covered, and, and especially have a midfield that's got uh, the Brownlow favorite. And also, I think, about the fourth or fifth favourite as well. So they've got a lot of positives going. Um, and they, they've got a little bit of an injury list as well. You know, mm. they're, they're not by any means full Trelaw, strength. Yeah, a lot, Dunkley. Well, they lost to Tr- Trelaw this week. But, yeah, obviously, Dunkley, they've had English missing. Is he um, gonna, when's he back? Uh, I'd like to see him back this week. I think he's, you know, obviously with the concussion, he had a bad one. So I think he's missed about three or four weeks now. So obviously, they're just taking his time. Um, hopefully, he's back for this. I'm sure he, he wants to be a part of this contest as well. Um, you know, this will be, uh, you know, well, disappointing for the players actually because and the fans because it hopefully would have been close to a full house. Mm. Um, and now, who knows the way um, Melbourne's tracking at the moment with the news in the last 24 hours, they might be playing in front of an empty stadium, which would be disappointing for um, for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, on the Bulldogs side, I don't think they need to change too much. I think, you know, they'll be very confident at the Dome. They get perfect conditions, which they're used to. It suits their Harlem Globetrotters kind mm. of ball movement at the moment. Um, so, but they'll be matched against a, a dominant midfield. You know, let's, you know, n- give credit where credit's due. I know they lost last week. Melbourne's uh, midfield is, is, is as good as any in the comp. Um, with Gorn, Oliver's on fire and Petrarca. 
they'll give the Bulldogs all they can handle. Um, so this will be a classic, classic matchup. I think I'm looking forward to watching it, even if the fans can't be there. Mm, it's an interesting one. I think there are, the early talk is you can have 85% of the crowd if the roof's open and then 50% crowd if the roof's shut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who, yeah. Well, if the, they do open the roof, who's more suited? Or does it make any difference whatsoever? Um, well, it, I mean, the weather won't have an impact in terms of what the forecast is for Melbourne, even if the uh, the roof is open, so it's not going to change it to a wet weather. Um, I just think the Bulldogs play the ground well. They're set up for it and they're used to it. Um, so they've definitely got the advantage at the Dome. Um, but Mel- Melbourne aren't going to be um, intimidated or scared. They're off the back of a loss, so they'll be keen not to lose two in a row and lose too much traction either. And also they want to be tested by, by what is the best team in the comp at mm. the moment. So... Um, now nah, this will be a cracker on Friday night. Looking forward to it. So what's your lean? Uh, no, I think the market's spot on around the five. That, that's what I came up with. Um, uh, I, I, I do think I do think there'll be some scoring in this game. Uh, I think the totals are touch low. Being at the dome, dome's got a good record this year for overs v unders. Mm. Um, they're two offensive sides, and 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 you know I, I, th- I think there'll be enough points in this game to cover the one six four. Mm. A, uh, another team that's absolutely flying at the moment is the Brisbane Lions. They take on the GWS Giants at home, two ten on Saturday afternoon at the Gabatoire. The Lions are a dollar nineteen, five dollars the Greater Western Sydney, and the Lions been nibbled a bit there. It's been uh, twenty nine and a half into twenty eight and a half. The totals one sixty seven and a half. They're a bit of a yo-yo. Uh, the GWS Giants uh, wobbled early, but uh, they've got a couple of d- decent scalps. Yep. Can they uh, can they cover here? Yeah, no. These are uh, these are two good sides that have made recoveries. Actually, Brisbane uh, they had a tough draw. The Bears early. Oh, sorry, the Lions. The Lions. The Bears. <laughs> um, yeah. L- listen, they got off to a one and three start, and uh, you know a few people were chucking the towel in them. I think uh, if you remember correctly, on one of the shows they got out to a buck eighty three for the uh, the final eight. You snapped it up. Um, had a nibble on it. Um, wish we invested more. A bit like cryptocurrency, really. You know, <laughs> when it stares you in the face, knock it down. Um, you know, now I think they're into a dollar oh two, so you know, bookies can pay out on that anytime they want to be good to release the money for the punters, let them reinvest. Um, but now Melbourne have won six on the trot now. Uh, sorry, Brisbane, sorry, have won six on the trot now, and they're going through their gears. Um, very good signs for Brisbane when you know, considering the caliber of players they got to come back into their side. Um, and this would have been seen as a lopsided matchup a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, as you said, the Giants now, um, you know, their recovery, they were, I thought they were pretty good against West Coast. It was a high error rate game. Mm. Um, the pressure didn't seem overly high. Um, I just don't think the skills were up to it, and West Coast's away record is obviously uh, pretty average at the moment. But uh, good win for the goal, uh, for the Giants. They're going well. Um, and there is one note when you're going through to do the form. They've won their last five at the Gabba. Um, so they'll hold no fears going up there to play. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe they like the extra sunshine up there. So um, I, I think at the line, I think I, I think yeah, Brisbane will win the game. I think mm. Brisbane will win the game, but I think uh, yeah, they put up twenty nine and a half. So it's a fair start for Giants. Um, I like them at, during the day too. I yep. think uh, it's, it's a bit of an edge uh, the Brisbane sides yep, at 100%. night, but uh, yeah, I think they're a better chance to cover. Yeah, with the dry conditions. Yeah, the stats show both uh, both the Queensland teams at night. Uh, their records are better um, yeah. just because of the humidity. Obviously, they train in it and uh, the ball's a bit more slippery for sides who aren't used to it. So, yeah, very good point, Nico. Um, you know, the Giants are up there during the day, they'll get nice dry weather. 
Um, and, you know, I think Brisbane is still going too well, but I think they'll give them a good account of themselves, the Giants. Mm-hmm. And it uh, looks like you've whizzed past the Hawks again. Disappointing. The Gold Coast Suns and the Hawks up at Darwin. I thought the, uh, the Hawks could finally, if Alistair Clarkson's trying, I thought they could uh, topple the Suns. So a little bit of a roughie for me there, the <laughs> Hawkers at the uh, 280 at top sport. But, uh, okay, we'll only we'll only preview the blockbusters, so yeah, we'll skip, it, skip yeah, across. The AFL tried to hide that game. <laughs> they sent it as far as Darwin <laughs> to hide it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you'll be one of the few watching that game, I think. Mm. Stu- up, up in slippery conditions. Stewie Jew under pressure? Uh, no, he's not under any pressure. It, well, he's uh, not. Do, do you think the the expansion clubs cop less criticism? Uh, the AFL monitor it more. Mm. Yeah, they allow they allow less criticism. The yeah. media would want to go after them. I mean, they have no – well, I don't know. They have no issue going after Leon Cameron for the Giants. They, mm. they have him out the door about the last three years, I think, so – um, all of a sudden, I haven't heard anything about Leon Cameron for about six weeks, so his job must be safe again. Um, Stewie Jew has to be. I, I, I just think it's not even Stewie Jew. I think it's a it's a cultural thing at the Gold Coast. Um, you know, their pattern over the last couple of years now of getting off to a very good month, uh, first four mm. or five weeks, and then their win loss record after that's atrocious, and it's continuing again. So. I'm not sure at the Gold Coast, but um, yeah, if Stewie Jew falls away badly this year, he's one on the chopping block for sure. Yeah, the magic means time. We saw him down at the the Burley Pavilion out of season, so maybe they need to go to the Burley Pavilion on a weekly basis to uh, find their form. If they start the season really well, maybe just go out to the Burley Pavilion every week, boys. I uh, I know one of the King boys uh, absolutely loves it up there, but all right, let's uh, let's kick across the West Coast and Essendon. Oh, yuck. West Coast, they are on the nose for me big time. I've lost all hope. $1.24, Eagles. four twenty five. the Bombers seems absolutely massive here. And uh, the line again, I think it's uh, 30 and a half into 26 and a half already. That may be some of my money. And uh, an odd one here, the totals, 143 and a half. I tell you what, there's some big lines with some uh, very small totals. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a bit of a weather watch here, is it? You know there's a weather watch. Uh, we were active yesterday. Oh, I'm trying to bring you into the show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, the subtlety I missed. Um, yeah, there was, uh, yeah, they made an error yesterday, uh, the bookies. Um, you know, the lead out was uh, actually 163 this total uh, for the early shoppers that uh, do their due diligence in the games. What, check um, the weather? Check the weather. Yeah, it's an important part, especially when you're putting up totals. Uh, to put up 163 and a half was a, a grave error with the weather report that we see. Um, if you're a if you're a head trader you, and you're on the golf course on a, a Monday or a Tuesday, depending on when you set your lines, you need to call your two IC and say, "Hey, mate, have you checked the weather this week? And have you adjusted the totals and adjusted the lines?" Uh, no. Now I'm out. <laughs> now I'm out of the game. Well, I hope they play golf Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think. Uh, I think little birdie should start holding corporate golf days for, for the <laughs> traders on those days because um yeah there was um there was a mistake made and then there was some sleepy bookies as well with the weather worsening so uh but you know punters need to follow through on these things because yes last week as you made mention the mm. the Perth rain uh, for last yeah, week's game a total moved over twenty points mm. um and then came game time when you're watching the radar um. And even as bad a day as I was having on the Saturday, <laughs> I was still able to watch the weather and got some release actually because the the rain disappeared 
dissipated on the weather map. Uh, total stayed 131, 132 and covered by about 50 points. So, um, you know, it's definitely a part of the game you've got to watch. And, you know, there's a clear edge for those who do as opposed to those who don't. So this totals uh, effectively moved 20 points. But even yesterday, we had a couple of bookies that were wanting to stick fat around the 155, allowed some wages in for um, the punters. And now we're sitting around 143, 144. But again, you've got to monitor the weather going through because no guarantee the rain will hold. We're still four days away. Um, and we'll see what shakes out. But, yeah, there's some good middle opportunities. How does uh, the wet weather suit Essendon? You know, you've got yep. West Coast and their big forwards. That could yep. bring them down to side, size. And I think I might spec the uh, the Bombers at 425 here, traditional yep. rivals. Well, you've already spec'd them at the plus 30. We, um, you know, again, with the, with the total... Thinking that we, I think the total is still starting the one thirties like last week. I think with that weather report, um, I think we're still a goal away from where it'll be from bottom, bottoming out. And the line at plus thirty, you know, to relation to the total is just too big. Um, West Coast won't hold any fear with the with the rain. Their forwards, you know, Darling's exceptional wet weather football. He reminds me, um, you know, not the same caliber of Carey, but he does play exceptional in the wet. Darling's got very good hands, and Kennedy's also a very good clunker. And, and uh, my boy Allen, he doesn't he doesn't mind the wet either. But where it brings Essendon into the game is their midfield is on fire at the moment. And you saw last week against the Giants, the West Coast are terrible at getting uh, the clearances, and Essendon are on fire in the clearances. So I think it's a big advantage Essendon having those three that we mentioned: uh, Parish, Merritt, and McGrath. And, you know, it'll give Essendon a good starting point. Um, and they'll be, you know, again, West Coast at home, they grow a leg. They'll be hard to beat, but the line's big. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think West Coast to win for multi-punders head-to-head, but I think the line at the, you know, even still at the plus 26, they'll give you a good sight. Mm. Bombers plus, and I sort of tuned out after uh, Mark mentioned Wayne Carey and uh, Jack Darling in the first sentence that I just, I just <laughs> sort of switched off. I just had a little bit of a mental rest there. Port Adelaide versus uh, Fremantle on Sunday Afternoon at Adelaide Oval. We've got Port Power 123, Fremantle Dockers 440, 27.5 the line there, and 156.5 the total. I'll tell you what, if you're backing the minus here, you'd hope that uh, Port Adelaide haven't got COVID and they jump right out of the blocks here. They were uh, pathetic in the first half, the power, unpower like, I thought. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match, Mark? I'm hoping you don't clip that up during the week that uh, I've compared Carey to Darling. Because oh, if you're, li- you're listening intently, <laughs> I, I did uh, pre-emphasize by saying it before I said it. It was wet weather mm. that I was talking to. Anyway, uh, yeah, to finish off the round, we've got Port and Frio. Um, you know, geez, uh, they're up and down sides, aren't they, these two? Um, you know, but again, Port going back to home, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big advantage to them. Um, but... You can't say I'm overly enthused about this game. I think it's a, they're both low-rating sides. I'm not sure where Port Adelaide are at. They keep claiming they're a top-four side. We're just waiting to see it. Um, they should worry about less about their prison bar jumpers and concentrate and actually uh, win them, winning football games and doing it in a style that the fans want to see as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I think the line and early markets came out 30 for Port. And it's just come back a couple of points again for Frio. I think Frio have been largely competitive, mm. win or loss this year. 
um, and they do play a defensive game. And again, I don't see too many points in this game. Okay. Um, Better way th- to play the under. I think the total, yeah, it's not it's not out of whack by any stretch. I just think it's a little high. And I think if you're going to play the totals, play the under and the same. I think Port you would expect to win at home, but I think mm. you know this can, seems to be the pattern for the week that I think Fremantle will give you a real good side at the plus. Yep. Yeah, it's a funny one. If Port feel like it, they can probably cover this total in a half of, of yeah. footy and they can probably just join. They are flat-track bullies, aren't they? Especially mm. at home. They love beating up the uh, the lower sides. Mm, that, uh, that, uh, they're the blockbuster games. It's a, it's a really odd week. It's hardly a blockbuster round. And let's just start batting down the hatches down here in Melbourne and uh, get through COVID. If you want more of Mark's stuff, you can get AFL Stings for the next two weeks for $33 or you can buy the full season for $199. Um, and that takes you right through into the end of the year. Something that Mark has been dominating is the AFL Futures. Uh, he's been on fire with the Western Bulldogs and the Brisbane Lions. They've now cleared out, or I think they should really clear out, in the AFL Premiership market. Let's talk about that first in our buy, hold and sell segment where we talk about futures betting. The Bulldogs, finally $5 favourites to win the flag. Odds up on the screen now, courtesy of topsport.com.au. And Brisbane Lions, 625. The Cats, 625. The Demons, 625. The Tigers, 675, Port Adelaide 725, Eagles 15, Greater Western Sydney 31, Swans 34. I'd have, uh, I'd definitely have Western Bulldogs and Brisbane Lions clear favourite slight edge to the Bulldogs who are a Melbourne based side. But yeah, I could not back the Cats at the moment. I couldn't back the Tigers. I couldn't back Port Adelaide. Uh, uh, but then again, the D's at 625. For me, with uh, the MCG being their home ground, I think that would be the other side that I consider. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, well, obviously Friday night's game will have a, have a bearing. Massive the winner of um, the winner of I know the Bulldogs are now f- favourites currently, but obviously if they win, they'll be um, shortening up to probably around the four twenty five mark probably next week. But if Melbourne do get over the Bulldogs, then they'll be back into favouritism uh, next week. So yeah, those three aside, I think you, you summed it up when you uh, you gave the odds down. I think the, the the strength at the moment is with the Bulldogs, Brisbane, and Melbourne, especially if they get over the Bulldogs this week. Um, I'd be definitely, you know, if I was having one lay this week, it'd definitely be Geelong at the 625. Um, you know, they'll win this week, um, you would you would think, um, but then they've got three tough games coming up. So uh, this is not the time, if you like Geelong. You'll, to back get, them. you'll get a bigger price in a month's time mm. for sure. Um, they got Port, Dogs and uh, Brisbane Lions yes. after the bye. Yes. That's a horror run. Yeah, it's a tough stat. So, you know, when, you, when you're betting futures, if you have or haven't invested or you trade it uh, week to week or month to month, however you go about it, you've definitely got to just forecast how the short term and the long term is going and who's a, how those teams are going around you. So right now, I couldn't, if you were just investing this week, um, as we suggested, um, Bulldogs, Brisbane and Melbourne would be your go, who, whoever you like in that game. And then I'd be uh, Lane, Geelong, Richmond, and I couldn't be on Port Adelaide. I just don't think the way they're going Um Long term, they can win the flag. Mm. It's uh, it's an interesting one, the Brown Low Metal Market. Let's uh, get these odds up on the screen now. And Clayton Oliver was uh, the man you were all over uh, last week. Mark Spontapelli still holds favouritism here. The doggies are going to win a lot of games. Three sixty five at Top Sport. Christian Petrarca five eighty. Clayton Oliver eight twenty five. Martin nine dollars, McRae nine, Humor Cloggage, media is starting to get a hold of him nine nine seventy five, Sam Walsh twelve dollars, Ollie Wines uh, thirteen dollars, Cam Guthrie sixteen, and much better the rest. The Bont 
Uh, tipped him up pre-season, and Petrarca, a uh, little bit of $19 there, about $17. Clayton, Ollie, you taking? Uh, you're probably just sitting pretty here and steer these three uh, players into the harbour if uh, hopefully some listeners out there have, uh, have jumped into Mark's uh, Brownlow medal. You'd be having – you've got a good book. You're just – you're jogging, aren't you? Yeah, the book's going okay. It looks like you've done a bit of work with Tristan over the uh, last couple of days. You've finally got your premiership market into the way you want it. Now you're getting the pre- uh, Brownlow <laughs> market in the way you want it. Um, I, th- I think now the market's starting to uh, to shape out. The way um, it should be. Yeah, I think they're starting to get the right players. Dusty Martin, we've, as was said, you know, we've been um, – We've been strong on the lay side of Martin for uh, probably about a month now. Uh, he did have one good game where he obviously get a three, but you know I, I still think Martin should be uh, around the double figures. He, mm. He's giving a bit of a lead away now, especially to um, Bontempelli. Um, and Bontempelli's, you know, as you said, being a winning side. Not that Richmond won't be, but uh, just the odds no comparison. Polar. The odds comparison with the gap they've got at the moment. Um, you, you know, I would still be taking the the Bont money over Martin. Um, I just think the top three there are tracking the best at the moment. Obviously, McRae and McCluggage aren't too far away. Um, there's definitely some still good lays there, um, in my opinion. Um, I think Sam Walsh, you know, he had a three-vote three, three vote or a two-vote on the weekend. It was against poor opposition. Uh, how he's $12 for the You're just for the not going to win stuff. enough games, are they? He's not going to win the Brownlow. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I just don't understand how they get the rating in that short mm. at the moment. Um, you know, and even, um, you know, Travis Boke, I know he's a great pilot and stuff. So there is some buy and sells out there. Um, I was keen. There was still uh, this week, uh, some of the bookies still had $10 $11 up Oliver um, and he's starting to get crunched in a bit. Um, I still think he's a betting option, Oliver. I think he's... Uh, I think he's right there with Bont at the moment on the leaderboard. And if I was having one bet, and I know you just don't want to keep launching into one player all the time, but I still think he's a value around that eight nine dollar mark Oliver this week. If I was having one bet, okay. um, I just like to mention two Smokies that I think I think Bont and pa- uh, sorry Parish from Essendon, yeah, twenty nine dollars. I think his last three weeks have been very good. Uh, I think he's nearly polled best on ground all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Essendon fans out there, something to cheer. I think Parish at the each way odds. Uh, the other guy uh, is in your team, Brisbane, is Jared Lyons. Mm, flying. Um, yeah, now, no pot on McCluggage. He's obviously going enormous, but this guy's getting under the radar for sure. Um, he's had a really good couple of weeks, and right now I think he sits inside the top 10 in votes. Um, Neil's still a few weeks away, so around the $41. Um, you know, if you're starting your book or you want to uh, have some insurance, I think Lyons, a bit of value each way at 41 Tell you what, he's uh, geez, grown in stature. Jared Lyons last well, the last twelve months, he Very just he, he walks around the ground like he owns the place now. It's great like to it. see. He's yeah. got so much swagger. This bloke, yeah, he's really grown into himself. I can't. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about. Can't believe he just walked out of Gold Coast. You mm. know, they had a real, real good player there. He's gone down the road, so it's not like he's moved massively. Um, yeah, he's he's a top tier, top tier midfielder playing really consistent football in a really good side. Speaking of uh, swagger, my man Tex, <laughs> Tex Walker kicks uh, the sealer uh, in the classic match against the D's uh, last Saturday night. And we're talking about Coleman Medal now. Harry McKay, $1.90 favourite. Wow, he's still crazy odds there. Taylor Walker, six fifty. Jack Darling, $7. Jack Rewalt, $10. Aaron Norton, I love that bloke. Jeremy uh, Cameron, $12. Matt Tabner, 13 Tomahawk. $13, Tommy Lynch, 13 Kennedy, Bruce, both on around that $15, $16 mark. It's, uh, yeah, there's a couple of bolters. Uh, Aaron Norton has just missed a consistency there. 
it uh, it still looks like you want to uh, lay Harry, don't you? And hope, yeah, Norton, hope... Norton could have kicked a bag, couldn't he? He missed mm. a couple. He kicked five goals, four. Um, so he really could have made a statement with maybe seven or eight goals um, and, and made his way up the lead. Well, he's not too far from Harry Mackay. I just look at this market and just the way it sits at the moment. I think Harry Mackay is just too short still. Um, you know, a bit like Tex for three or four weeks there. We just saw Tex was too short. I think he got into 250 or something, Tex Walker, at some stage. Um, Harry Mackay has been 210 evens and $1.90 over the last three weeks. Um, there's plenty around him. We're not halfway through the season he, yet. He still looks sore on the weekend. He yeah. doesn't look 100%. Yeah, I, did, I just think the, the boogies have got him too short now. Whether if, whether they've landed some big bets on him or something like that, I just think this market, they're, um, they got a little bit wrong and, and I'd, you know, I'd be happy to lay Mackay around that even money. Might have to ring Teague and ask uh, how Harry's going, see if he's sore. Wonder if we'll get the truth. Make sure uh, this weekend, if you're uh, having a bet on uh, round 11 matches or, in fact, the AFL futures you bet with uh, Top Sport, they are a bookmaker you can trust. They've been in the game for 35 years. The guys up at the Gold Coast are our major sponsors, so make sure you get around topsport.com.au. Up next, we're going to talk rugby league with Top Rope Tedeschi. We're going to push his buttons. Gus Gould is now going after PVL. Radley's been uh, banished out of the game. It's all happening in rugby league land. So we'll talk to Top Rope Tedeschi next. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I'm here in studio with MG, the kid, and it's time to talk rugby league with Top Rope Tedeschi. We've banished Peter Volandis and the uh, the Sharon. We, we've got rid of the super imposition, and we've got Top Rope back in the flesh. We can see him. He's been uh, banged up. He's been uh, stitched up, and now he's back in the flesh. Top Rope, how are you, brother? Absolutely flying. <laughs> what a week it is. How good. Bill Mickelson, the storm cover. How good, how, how good, how good sport, how good life. Well, it's uh, it's definitely all happening. The Twitter spheres are washing the game of rugby league. I tell you what, the fabric. It's like Rex the sausage dog uh, just ripping all the fluff out of the uh, the toys that I do my life on at uh, at Pet Barn every uh, every week. Rugby league's falling apart, top rope, so uh, you need to get off that cloud. And uh, we're just going to put a little graphic up on the screen now. And uh, it's a tweet from Gus Gould last night. Repeat again, two years ago, Victor Radley was one of the most celebrated young talents in the game. Today, based on this decision, the NRL is saying, we don't want you in the new rugby league. Who makes these decisions, says Gus Gould. Victor Radley has been banished for uh, going into bat for Sam Walker, and it's uh, it's just disgraceful, top rope. Well, uh, Phil Gould also suggested Tariq Simmons should be in the origin side, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure Phil Gould's out of touch. So anything uh, he says is should be treated with the absolute disdain it deserves. Uh, he's an idiot, he's a fool, <laughs> he's a washed-up dinosaur, and he's out the back door. So uh, no one cares what he says. Rugby league is flying. Second-highest-rated game of all time on Saturday night, the Roosters-Broncos. Absolutely flying. Don't worry about what the Twitter narts say. Don't worry about what old-fashioned rugby league, old-fashioned rugby league Twitter would have hated rugby league starting in 1908 if it was around. Would have hated everything since. The game is built on on change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlimited was unlimited tackles till the 1960s. Then it went to four tackles, six tackles. Yeah, the rules changed in rugby league. That's just like now. Victor Radley got got the red mist on. Got the red mist on Saturday night. He lost the pot. Here's a tip, Victor Radley. You've never been allowed to hit high ever. That they allowed it was a disgrace. 
Victor really just needs to lower his tackling stuff. Like, he's leaving his feet and launching his, launching his shoulder at people's heads. Sorry, Victor Radley, that's not part of rugby league. Victor Radley will be celebrated in the game for his fierceness and ferocious hits, but he does them legally. Uh, and you know what? To be honest, I also celebrate the fact he had to be the first bloke in history to be put on report four times in the one game. Oh, top rope. But uh, if we tackle too low, there'll be offloads galore. There's no solution there. No one's saying you're going to tackle around the ankle. Just tackle below the neck. They're not holding the ball above their head. What about the ribcage? What about Angus Crichton? Two weeks for dangerous contact. Please. That was. It's touch footy out there. Oh, come on. If you want to watch touch footy, you go watch the AFL. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a real tough game. You watch rugby league. Come on, it's. Uh, uh, I think for the most part, I thought they, I thought they were the referees were particularly measured last weekend. I thought I do think that, uh, Peter Goff, the ref in charge of the Roosters game, uh, lost the pot a little bit. It'd be fair to know to be his tenth first grade game. It's uh, for the most part. I thought it was pretty, otherwise pretty consistently uh, uh, meted out rule. That if you hit someone in the head with forceful contact, you put in the sim bin. There's nothing to argue with it. Like it, it's a black and white rule, and if it happens, you go. And you know, I, I thought I thought rugby league last week was 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 very good last week. I thought the Broncos Roosters game was an outstanding spectacle, regardless of how many people got sent to the bin. So uh, rugby league absolutely flying, and we've got one green to think for it. PVL, well done, great man. But the top rope, the fans are up and about, whether it's on Twitter or not, is because the rules have been changed mid-season. So when you say rugby league's built on change, shouldn't shouldn't it be done prior to the season starting so, so it's at least consistent going through? Like, what are you pro or for uh, against? Sorry, the rules being changed mid-year. Well, the, mid-year. Rules the, the rules haven't been changed. Well, the, the implementation the of, of it the rules, has. The, the policing of the rules have been changed. Yeah, so and why? Why why wouldn't that have been done at the start of the season? So I'll give you it, it should have been done at the start of the season. It should never have got to this place. Yeah. Okay. It should never have got to this place. But it, hypothetical, let's just go back in time three weeks when um when James Sesco was taken out in that Parana game with a shoulder by Nia Corey and then it was knees to back to punch at Drew Drew Hutchison's lung, and nothing was done about it by the video ref of the bunker. Three weeks ago, everyone was up in arms. How did this not get sent off? How? Where is the send-off? Why is nothing being done about this? We're going to protect our game stuff. Had they just done whatever, what the previous administration did and just gone down that path and done nothing, the NRL would have been absolutely slammed. You know what? These fans, there is no pleasing them. But there is actually no outs. You're, you're, you're playing dead in a game of poker with these fans. But as Jack Gibson once said, if you listen to the fans enough, you'll be sitting with them soon. And you know what? This is actual proper leadership. Is it ideal that it was that it was done mid season? No. It should have been done and, and PBL gave too much too much leeway to his referees and the football department at the NRL, thinking that they could clean up the game. They didn't. He stepped in and he's done a great job. And I think, you know, this will be for the betterment of rugby league. Okay. Mm, Twenty nine uh, 
at the judiciary last night. Uh, it is a bit of a crossroads at uh, at rugby league headquarters. It'll be interesting to see how it all washes out. It's uh, it's across both codes. Both codes are just trying to stamp out this uh, this head high contact and concussions. But uh, mm, it's a funny one. These accidental uh, collisions that are causing all this havoc. Now something a little bit more positive. Mo Fawika from the Gold Coast Titans is uh, stamping his claim. I tell you what, some of his barge is absolutely sensational. This kid's got a lot of flair. He's one of your favourites, isn't he? Big Mo Fawika. He uh, he comes on. He's just a hustling, bustling machine <laughs> and just gets through. Now, to be fair, to put this into context, it was only against Canterbury. It was only against the Bulldogs. It wasn't a real first-grade side. So let's, let's put that in context. But... Uh, uh, I, I, you've got to say, he's fine. He will be back in Origin this year, you'd think. And uh, it was just outstanding. Try, but if you want, if you're if you're after someone on the up and comer, um, uh, Scooting MG, look up this kid called Franklin Pele. Do a little little uh, Twitter search for him. He's tried for Newtown on the weekend. Got the ball in his own half, about seventy out. Ran through the entire team like it was a like he was a big kid player on the Sixers. Scored a try. It was absolutely astonishing. So uh, if you like Big Mo, you're going to love Franklin Pella. May make his first grade debut this week, namely in the extended reserves for Cronulla. Mm, one to watch there. And a uh, little bit of a trumpet blow from uh, Top Rope. We caught on Twitter. He's had a bit of a pot shot at Gus Gould and his origin selection. So uh, next week, we're going to put uh, Top Rope Tedeschi's origin side against a couple of experts. And I think uh, Top Rope off air yesterday said that his origin side would need would get an 11 and a half point start against, uh, or a minus there, against uh, Gus Goulds. That's how uh, disappointed with Gus's side uh, Top Rope. So we're we'll, we'll put. To be fair, up. I just had two players suspended, so I just had Radley and Crichton suspended. So <laughs> I'm going to have to make some changes. <laughs> oh wow, Radley and Crichton suspended from Origin. There you go. Maybe the game. Uh, oh, I'll leave it for uh, the fans to uh, vote with their feet. We'll I'm forecasting. I'm forecasting PVL won't won't see out the year at uh, at Rugby League Land. I think he'll move on what to greener pastures. What, what can I get on that he'll be there in 2040? Mm, I'll take careful. extended lines all the way through. PVL will be there when you die. Be careful. Top rope's got more than you. Mm, him, well, it's, hard, it's been hard to run him out of racing, so who knows? <laughs> anyway, Hall of Fame. We'll, uh, we'll steer the ship into some uh, more positive chat. MG, Hall of Fame this year. Uh, or this, this week, sorry. I'm surprised you're coming for me. Uh, top rope, there's no way he's, he's getting swayed. There can only be one option this week to uh, to go in. His old mate lefty is... Uh, uh, head and shoulders. I, I believe he's already in, though. Mm, I but, think he can uh, go in twice. He can go in twice. So is he breaking new ground here? He would be. He would be. I think he's uh, him and Munster. a worthy nominee. But uh, what about this other bloke? Barney Curley has been uh, has been suggested by many of our fans. This trainer, this punter. Have you got a Barney Curley story? He's famous for his Yankees, isn't he, uh, Top Rope? Loved his Yankees, but Barney Curley is definitely. I'd love to put Lefty in again. He's in there once. We will get him in again at some stage, but... Barney Curley uh, passed away this week at the age of 81. Bookie punter. His best coup was in 1975 at a racetrack called Bellowstown. Uh, it was uh, pretty hard to get to uh, race course, fairly isolated. And he sent a horse called Yellow Sam there. And he had a crew of punters across uh, England and Ireland to load up on this Yellow Sam starting price, as it was back in the day. Uh, Yellow Sam was about 20 to 1 in the early markets. 
Uh, the only way to get a message to the course for bookies to bet back and kind of short, to, to notify the bookies on course that, that this thing needed to be shortened up was a single telephone box at the side of the course. <laughs> uh, luckily, luckily for Barney, he he paid someone off to occupy that uh, occupy that phone box uh, for the twenty to thirty minutes leading up to the race, in order to uh, to say that uh, he was trying to uh, take care of his great aunt and trying to track her down, who was uh, very ill at the time. Uh, so no 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 message could get in or out of the race course. Uh, so all the money that went on uh, at twenty on an SP. Uh, BLO Sam uh, was on, jumped at 20 to 1, won by about eight lengths going away, and stripped out, they reckon, uh, about 20 million pounds at the time. Wow. That's at incredible. The time. This was not, 1975. Wow. That is one of the great coups of all That's time. Right. How amazing mm. is that? Barney Curley. And uh, yeah, I've seen some highlights of just him just being interviewed. and from various race calls after he's trained a winner or back to winner. And I tell you what, I think Murray Baker's shifty, but this guy, uh, he's got him absolutely cold. And that, those stories, they're just fantastic. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good stories about uh, racetracks and when they were banning phones and Alan Jones, some of the stings that he used to pull in the early days. There's been many, but uh, Barney Curley, he, uh, he's, he's Pip Phil in the unpippable week of Hall of Fame. I tell you oh, what, when it, when it rains, it pours in Hall of Fame week, doesn't it? <laughs> When Pappenhausen scored all those tries, he still didn't get there. Lucky Phil's in. Otherwise, he'd be filthy. He'd be filthy. <laughs> he, would be filthy. He, he creates history what? and can't get in. I oh, know. Well, luckily, luckily, we'll, uh, there's always next week for Phil. Phil will, Phil will definitely be getting back to me every quiet week, which seems like a bit these days. But uh, uh, I absolutely love those Barney Phillies. And yeah. we're still going in 2014. I hate, to, I hate to highlight what a good bloke he was, but he, he, he gave millions back to Africa. To, to kids in Africa to, to maintain schools and hospitals. So, um, look, I don't like you know hate hate to give hate to give out all the good news and, and what a good person he is because that's not what this Hall of Fame is about. <laughs> about what a punting legend he is, but he was a good bloke as well. So, that's added to it. Just like Philly, just like Philly. outstanding stuff and. Uh... Let's talk about uh, NRL round 12. Let's get on the series business. Enough of the politics, enough of the giggles. Let's uh, talk about the big hits here and the Storm. I tell you what, they're just absolutely jogging. Craig Bellamy is just the master. They're up at the Sunshine Coast. They're uh, putting a line in. The boys are out there fishing. They're going to the beach. I saw big Harry Grant just steaming out of the surf. Don't worry about Melbourne COVID. We're just going to uh, bypass winter. Just uh, skip it all together and uh, they'll be up at the Sunshine Coast all, all, all winter now. They're just too smart. It's a perfect recipe to take on uh, Penrith in this year's grand final. Looks like these two sides are just head and shoulders above the rest. And I tell you what, more AFL clubs should relocate, and we might even relocate this studio up to uh, Noosa or the Sunshine Coast and bring you a long top rope. Uh, yes. Melbourne's <laughs> Melbourne Storm <laughs> Thursday Thursday night at. Uh, 10 to 8, and probably start at 8 o'clock. We've got the Storm away favourites here, $1.10. The Broncos, who have kicked into gear, seven fifty in the line, 20.5, over 50.5 points. Bookies are starting to clue on total points. They're all around the 50 mark now, top row. But uh, who do you like in this one? MJ, which way do you reckon I'm going? <laughs> Broncos, Broncos plus. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last two weeks, uh, look, I've, I've, I've got the worst of it. I backed the Storm early twice. 
They've had some Kiwi trolls come team naming time. <laughs> on the wrong side of it, I've stuck that, and they've covered with ease on both occasions. It, it, it has been truly remarkable. They've covered eight on the trot. Wow. They've scored 34-plus in seven of their last eight. Based, that, they covered last week against the Canberra Raiders side. Sure, was missing players, but still a pretty handy side without Ryan Pappenhausen, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Harry Grant. That's their starting spine. One of their key backups, Riley Jacks, also out. They still covered. They scored 34 points on them. It was absolutely remarkable stuff last week. Uh, I'll be on. I could not get enough on the Storm this week, to be honest. <laughs> uh, not only are the Storm the best team in the comp and covering covering like it's yeah, shelling bees. At will. They have absolutely dominated the Broncos. They have covered 21 of the last 27 games against the Broncos. Average margin since 2008, 16.7. They've won 29 of the last 34. The Storm, 12-3 and three against the spread when they're a double-digit road favourite. The Broncos covered just six of their last 19 at Suncorp of a win. They don't hold form. Just get everything you've got. Get some more. <laughs> borrow it. Get another mortgage out. Do what you need to do. Gamble responsibly, of course. But it'd be, it'd be irresponsible not to light up on the Melbourne Storm this week. They're going to win. They're going to cover. Mm, there we have it. Surprise, surprise, Melbourne Storm minus, but uh, the stats just back us up there. Why wouldn't you just keep backing this uh, absolute juggernaut that is the Storm? Now, there's two sides that have come off an absolute shellacking for our next blockbuster of the week. It's Saturday afternoon, 5.30 at Stadium Australia. My Rabbitohs, the Boonoirs, fresh from a mm, lacklustre performance, uh, is an understatement at Dubbo. $1.68, the Rabbits. Parramatta Eels, awful last week. Also, $2.20 and the line, 2.5. The total again, 50.5. Thoughts here, top rope? Uh, I will be uh, getting on South Sydney here at the Mines. Um, still stat for the punters out there. Teams off conceding 50 points, they cover it 62% the next week. When they're a favourite, they cover it 64%. So, I mean, it's a good spot for South. South have been dreadful defensively the last two weeks, or two of the last three weeks. But Latrell's back should be a bit fitting out, and Cameron Murray, absolute key in for, uh, mm. uh, for South. So I am uh, pretty keen on the Bunnies this week. The Eels, they do not bounce back off poor defensive showings. Cover just three of 13, I've conceded 16 plus. Dylan Brown's still out. I, I think the uh, South will win this and will win this pretty easily. Mm, that is uh, music to my ears. The uh, the Saturday night blockbuster. Wow, there's some worrying signs at Canberra. They are a bit of a rabble at the moment, and we've already touched upon two big outs: Crichton and Radley for the the Roosters. There, dollar twenty seven. The Roosters Raiders three seventy five. The line eleven and a half. There's a little bit of a nibble for the minus there, and forty nine and a half. And that's at Central Coast Stadium seven thirty Saturday night. Top rope. Uh, the Raiders are a bigger rabble than Gus's Origin fan. That's how bad they are. Uh, George Williams has uh, gone back home there. Their, their star halfback, he, he apparently wasn't happy about it, so there's, there's all that kind of drama. Uh, there's too much going on in Canberra. They've got a few big-ins, but you, you, you can't have them at the moment. They've covered just twice this year. Absolute mess. They are off the coach, something chronic. So uh, I'll be on the trooks here. Uh, they were a good bounce back team. They've covered 10 or 13 for double-digit loss. Uh I am worried about Victor Radley being out, Angus Crichton being out. The, the depth is well and truly being stretched right now, but uh, I'd rather be on the Roosters minus than the Raiders plus here for sure. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, Sunday afternoon, the 4 o'clock fixture there at McDonald Jones Stadium is Newcastle Knights against Manly Seagulls. And uh, big away favourite here, Manly, $1.25. Three ninety-five the Knights and eleven and a half and the yeah the minus has been nibbled here fifty-two and a half and I uh, I went into the uh, I, I did a little bit of t- turbo research and there was a shrewd move a couple of years ago when uh, the Turbo Brothers were offered ten million between them for a five-year deal I think it was reported a couple of years ago looks a shrewd move now doesn't it Top Rope uh, looks a very sharp <laughs> looks a very sharp move now. Uh, Tommy Turbo scored in every game this year. Scored six, uh, scored in six straight games this year. Modern day record is ten, held by Phil Blake in 1983. Fred Totty got there 15 in a row in the 30s. Uh, oh, you've got to be a man here, mate. They are absolutely playing like an elite team at the moment. They've uh, won six of their last seven, covered seven straight. Put the hatchet job on Parramatta last week. They were inspired by Bob Fulton. Uh, his passing is. His uh, funeral will be coming up soon. You'd think they would still be pretty front and centre. They hold form, covered 22 of 34 off a win, covered six straight away from Brookie. The Knights are a disgrace. They are an utter disgrace. <laughs> Kalen Pong is back. Maybe he'll do something, but they are a poorly coached, absolute rabble at the moment. Uh, they've covered just seven of their last 22 of conceding 16+, plus, five of their last 16 when they're a home underdog. So uh, I am pretty keen to take the Knights on. I reckon they are a bottom four team at the moment and Manly are, are, are looking like an elite team. So I will be jumping on the minus here. Mm, it's, uh, Mark, uh, I think Mark's first love is Pappenhausen and Storm and then uh, I think his second love is definitely Manly and the Turbos. I tell you what, it gets a lot of airtime, and uh, I think yeah. maybe we might just change this show completely and just have it the uh, the Turbo time and the, and the Storm time. I think we just need yeah. to... Change the whole segment. I see. Uh, I see this week um, top rope that all the, the, a lot of the totals have now hit over north mm. of fifty. Yeah, they've clued so on, haven't they? The bookies are uh, unprecedented. Take, unprecedented. Yeah, they've taken a month to catch it, up, but they're finally getting there. I said, it, it, it's always a sad time, kid, when the bookies <laughs> finally catch up to where they go. So, the edge we've had over the last few weeks, twenty-five of the last thirty-two games have gone over the totals. So, wow, uh, it's been it's been a very good bump for uh, Rovers punters. We'll have to be a little bit more measured this week. Yeah. yeah. 52 and a half is, is a, a, a a very big line. Like, based on footy, could get there. Like, not definitely ruling out the, the Newcastle Manly game as, uh, as going over, but I'll be taking a much more measured approach to, to all of these toes. Like, even last week, you saw the Roosters, uh, Roosters Broncos game made up 50, went under. That's, mm. yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I don't have all, I've only got the stats to 2008. I'm pretty happy to say with a fair bit of confidence that's never happened in the history of rugby league. So, yeah. So the ed- uh, edge has gone. Edge has gone now in the totals that the punters can now just pull up and see how the next maybe week or two pull out, uh, shake out. I would think. I would think so. Yeah. I, I'm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not going to be steaming into the unders, but I will be trying to find a few unders games this week. Yeah. Fifty uh, is a big line, like. And the problem with the fifties, like if, if if you like a game to score a lot of tries, and there will be games to score a lot of tries. I'd almost be backing the over in the try markets. For example, like the um, the fifty might be over nine and a half tries at a dollar ninety one or something. I'd be more inclined to do that. Some of the goal kicking has been horrific this year. Mm. But you have a look at the uh, uh, the Roosters last week. Sam Walker couldn't uh, you couldn't pay him to kick a goal. <laughs> Some of these ordinary teams like the the uh, like Valentine Holmes missed a heat for the Cowboys last week. That almost went under until 
until a late try sent it over. So uh, all of a sudden, goal kicking is becoming a lot more important in these in these totals. And I'm I'm, I'm probably going to be looking at the the over you know, number of try markets rather than the the, the total points pass because swinging on goal kicking is not how you want to win win or lose these bets. Sounds like, sounds like the NRL goal kicking is going like the AFL. <laughs> it's a bit wayward. But they normally don't miss. They a little bit normally... of an, an apology for Sam Walker. He's had the absolute stuffing yeah, knocked yeah, out of true. him by Pengite. As an absolute pissant on the AFL field, I know what it's like to be targeted as a small player. So <laughs> well, that's even, where the protection needs yeah. to go to well, players Mel- like Sam yeah. Walker. Melbourne Storm need Pappenhausen back goal kicking because their well, he's goal another kicking has been... Uh, he's a pissant. But no, they, they need him bad. When is the Pappenhausen due back, top rope? Yeah, enough uh, of the holiday. He won't be back till after Origin 1. He's, uh, they reckon he won't play until after Origin 1, so probably another month away, sadly. Jeez, he's going to be fresh the back end of the season. Oh, Look out. Fresh for it. You'd still respect him top try score, wouldn't you, for the year? Patrick <laughs> Patrick to finish him off, he's flying. Oh, speaking of flying or not flying is our lock of the week segment. Uh, we are absolutely lacklustre. The Chooks absolutely hammered us last week. <laughs> And uh, the Melbourne Demons, uh, MG's got head in hands. He still can't believe the D's got rolled last week. So they knocked him out. The Roosters both collected uh, Top Rope and I. So I'm going to lead us off. I'm going to lead us off with a, uh, a Ric Flair top turnbuckle move for lock of the week. It's getting desperate <laughs> stages here. We're only halfway through the season, so we've got plenty of time. But oh, I just, I just want to go a couple of dogs off the stick. Might as well try something a little bit different here. I'm going to have... My 200 for raise.org.au, who do an amazing job for mentoring uh, kids in their use to get them back on the right track. And I'm going to have that 200 on Essendon Bombers heads up at the 425, all up, my Hawkers in Darwin at 280. And that's $11.90 for my lock of the week. I'm saying that the Gold Coast Suns and the Eagles will get rolled over and my 200 will turn into $2,380 for uh, charity. And you blokes think I'm an idiot now, but uh, you watch you watch what happens after this weekend. MG, stop shaking your head. Top rope, you missed the brief <laughs> of the email. He cried for the first three weeks saying, let me in the lock, let me in the lock. We sent him the email as the lock of the week, and now he's coming up with two Ric Flair outsiders. <laughs> Can't be going any worse. We're meant to be making money for charity, you know. Give him a chance. Someone needs to get to the magical $5,000 mark so oh. we can uh, deposit for charity. Top I, was, I was already planning you? for mine. Hey? I was already planning for mine last week. I, you know, how did Melbourne lose to Adelaide by point? Give me a spell. I feel like all the dominoes have been knocked over after I've just put the whole set together and now I've got to start from scratch again. So, yeah, disappointing. feel what? like Victor Radley, robbed. Yeah, it's a harsh game, this. I tell you what. All um, right, who you got? You want me to go? All right, I'm going to... Uh, because I can't put the storm in, um, AFL only. Um, I'm going to go overs in the first game, over 165 and a half, uh, Bulldogs Melbourne, and then just try and pinch Geelong head-to-head at 125 and Richmond 119 and give me 282 for my 200, and I'm starting again. That is so weak. Top rope, bit better effort for you. Bit of Ric Flair coming this week as well, double Ric Flair. Uh, I'm going to go to the Broncos Melbourne game, so we'll know we'll know by Thursday night how, how this slot is gone. Uh, we are going to go in the first to fifty market. We're going to go oh, to Melbourne God. Storm six dollars, two hundred dollars Storm to get two hundred to get on the uh, to get to at six dollars to get to a uh, fifty. We're at twelve hundred that, and then we're just going to go for gold next week. We'll be yes. five thousand in two weeks. 
That's what I like. Lock of the week, the storm. It's a lot of cheering. <laughs> a lot of cheering for the storm. I like it's it. It's an easy cheer. <laughs> a lot of, I like it. They're always an easy cheer. Yeah, I like it, though. Oh, it's the easiest thing in the sport. Like, there's Cameron Percy, PGA Tour player, talk about, he said something on Twitter like, you know, when's gambling ever responsible? I just kind of went back, well, when, when you bet the storm, that's when gambling's <laughs> that's responsible. True. That's true. <laughs> oh, Better than bank interest. Fantastic stuff. Better than uh, top, bank interest. Top roper. Uh, that Peter Volandi shirt, I want you to wash that uh, for next week. It looks like you've been sleeping in it. It uh, <laughs> needs a bit of a rinse, big fella. Sleeping in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good luck this weekend on the punt, and we'll see, we'll see you next week. <laughs> see you, guys. See you, Top Rope. Oh, if you want uh, more of Nick Tedeschi's action, you can go to the Little Birdie shop and uh, pick up GGOA. It's uh, it's a steal. Make sure you check out his stuff. He's absolutely on fire. Yeah, he can find so many uh, angles. He loves betting on a total, and he, uh, he yeah, he's made an absolute fortune on the storm this week. So if you want all his unit plays, make sure you check that out. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll talk French Open tennis next. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot, and I've got the Kid MG in studio, and we've got ace previews. We've got Steve Quick on the line to talk French Open tennis. It's been an eternity since we've been talking about tennis, and it's good to have it back at Roland Garros, the home of Rafa, the home of Clay. And uh, I'll tell you what, listeners and viewers of the show would remember uh, Steve-O from last year. He tipped up Iger Swistek at $34 to win a, uh, a slam last year. So I'll tell you what, you've got to tune in, write down these notes, and listen very carefully. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Steve. Thanks very much for having me. It's not too much has really changed for Schweitek, except she's her decimal place has come in and she's three forty now. <laughs> <laughs> how's uh, how's the week been as a Collingwood supporter? You must have got a little bit of a tickle against uh, the Port Power, who were uh, very lackluster in the first half, but uh, they found a way and uh, yeah, not much joy. Yeah, look, it was a little bit of a tickle, but I'm, now I'm just monitoring to make sure I don't have a tickle in the back of my throat based on the message I got from the, um, the DHHS overnight. So, yeah, that's a nice reward for going on and sticking sticking with them and, and turning up. So we'll uh, see what unfolds from all of that. Mm, you'd be uh, you'd be usually checking scores or you jump on the phone to see what's happened in Europe or uh, America overnight to check the tennis scores and then, oh, oh you got a DHS uh, COVID alert. Yeah, I thought I was popular. I had a message, and I assumed it was either going to be U Foods or some other stupid thing that I've signed up to at once at one point or another that's spamming me. But it was just telling me that, yep, I did go. I did watch Collingwood. I <laughs> braced for that pain of quarters two, three, and four like most weeks, and now I get to monitor my symptoms for the next couple of days. So it's going to be great. It's a sick beat, isn't it? Just uh, salt the wounds. You get beat by a point, and then you might have got COVID out of the defeat. Shocking. <laughs> just. It sums, it sums up Collingwood's year, really, doesn't it? Mm. Sums up yeah. the punt, too. Yeah. Just when you think things are going bad, something else just kicks you in the teeth. You have to be resilient as punters. And uh, someone who's very resilient is our man, Rafael Nadal. Let's have a look at uh, the men's French open mark. Odds courtesy of Top Sport on the screen. Now, Rafa, $1.85. Crazy odds. Novak Djokovic, $4.40. Sitsipas, $6.75. Team, $14. Zerev has been very popular in COVID, $16. Rublev, $31. Yannick Sinner, $34. Named after me. Aslan Karastev, $41. (laughs) 
And uh, that rounds out the major chances there. Roger Federer slipped down to $46. Wow. Crazy. Done and dusted there. Steve-O, you're the expert here. Tell us why Rafa is immoral. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's tricky. It's. I mean, I think he's sitting in it currently about a dollar eighty-five. So yeah. you know, if you want to get involved in that for a, for a fortnight, it's probably. You know, it, I'm not going to steer you away from it. I think he's obviously got. You know, if you have a ninety-eight percent win record at the tournament over your career, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's better than crypto. Bodes well for you, and and the fact that you know, there were question marks about him late last year when they you know switched the the timing around and you know was playing late in the year still managed to, you know, get through and not drop a set. So, look, it's we are seeing, I think, in a lot of the lead-up tournaments, yes, he is losing a couple of three-setters, but this is what he's aiming for, and I think this is something he's aiming for more than any other year. I think when you look at Nadal, when you look at Novak, their target is Grand Slams. So you can kind of take that into consideration, perhaps, with some of the losses, but one thing to beat him in best of three it's a completely different game i think to be beating him in best of five but i think the the way that the seedings are set up this year there is the potential i think come 2 a.m friday morning when the draw comes out that there may be a bit of value if you can pounce relatively quickly hmm. did you want to just reel off your nadal stats uh marcos what is he is he 100 wins and two losses he is yes that yeah. is unbelievable poor record at the venue isn't it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I played golf with Steve. We, we played golf with Steve last year, and uh, we were just talking a bit of tennis. And uh, you know, we said uh, I, I was trying to get into his head why the bookies keep wanting to pot or lay Nadal going into the French Open. Thirteen-time winner. He was twelve before we spoke to that, and we said coming up, you know, it's a bit like back in the Melbourne Storm. It's, mm. it's they're automatic bets, and you know, I, I liken Nadal to being trained by Bart Cummings. For the French Open, he just keeps rocking up. He wins, uh, regardless of form, injury. To beat Nadal over five sets on clay is mission impossible in tennis, and it has been. I think the only thing that, price point aside, mm. the only thing that stops him is his age. Well, and Phil Mickelson's defied that. 100%. So so does Nadal go the other way and find inspiration? I'm not saying he... He needs know, it. He needs it, yeah. <laughs> but there's just that confidence level with Nadal that if you want to go to war over five sets... Uh, no players have the arsenal to go with it. You know, he's he, he's lost twice in, in 102 outings and mm. won 13 times. Uh, the price point, you know, obviously the value, but at the end of the day, we'll sit there probably when he's holding the trophy up again and say, how do we not take the dollar for 85 for our life? I think so. Mm. So I don't know. That's my take on it. His record's too good. Until, he's, until he loses one, I'm not going to drop off. Now, Steve, you're the best with the dartboard here. Tell us who the best Smokey is for those mad enough to bet against uh, Nadal. I think there's going to be more value, I think, and, and just looking at the the names that we have kind of outside the, the known kind of top four or five, where things get a little bit complicated here is that Danil Medvedev is the second seed. So he, and he has made it very known that he doesn't enjoy playing on the clay. Um but that then means that Nadal and Djokovic could end up in the same half, potentially looking at, at how things are at the moment. So if that were to occur, I think you would then be able to look to, you know, some names a little bit further down the, the list, you know, even like a Casper Ruud or a, a Christian Gurian, 
someone to maybe make a little bit of a run. I'm not saying they're going to beat Nadal if they were to meet, but I think if you can kind of get to the other side and find some big prices, even if there is a Zareb or a, um, a Rublev that, that could potentially find themselves in a decent pocket, where that will open up a little bit more is if there is, if we magically get this quarter where Medvedev and Federer are the top eight seeds in it, I think that's going to be something that you could attack. Alternately, if you find Dominic Team is the one that ends up with Rafael Nadal, then you, you're looking to you know, maybe Novak at the, the 450 mark is, is value, you know, working through to that point of then um, I would probably be looking to maybe get away from uh, that position if he were to meet Rafa in a final. Mm. It's a yeah, it's fascinating insight there. If you so, want to uh, yeah. get more of Steve stuff, uh, jump jump on Twitter and find him. It's uh, Ace underscore Previews. Uh, you can just tell by his insight there that he knows what he's talking about. What were you yeah. going to say, Mark? No, I was just going to ask Steve. Was gonna, so when you set up, I know we're running through the to-win market. If you either like or don't Nadal or you want to invest, do you then look to other – when you're talking about the other side of the draw, do you look to markets of players to make the final, to make the semis, to make the quarters, to make to make your uh, future bets? Yeah, and I think when you're looking at that future or, or trying to set up a, even a, a trading spot there, look to – players that are in the other half to Nadal in this instance. Um, you know, even you could maybe make a case for the second quarter, but, you know, it, it's if you can get as far away from Nadal as possible, it's all well and good that, you know, if your outright player is the hero that knocks him off early in the tournament, but I would rather someone else do the do the hard work and, and try and find someone who can kind of slip through with a, with a decent draw. And even if it's, you know, someone who hasn't been in any form whatsoever has been Diego Schwartzman, if he can find himself down the bottom there, is one of those players that maybe that best of five component that we're dealing with here is, is going to be favouring him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Casper Rudd, $51, and uh, Diego Schwartzman. So if you can pick up or pick off a couple of the other prop markets there, uh, there's definitely some different angles of attack. And you can still back Rafa, and then you can uh, chip away at the other side of the draw. Fantastic insight there. And uh, let's talk about the women's winner market. Odds courtesy of Top Sport on the screen now. Iger Schweistek, <laughs> $3.75 at uh, Top Sport. Definitely not $34. Ash Barty, $5.50. Uh, Arena Sabalenka eight dollars. Garbine Mergoza nine seventy five. Asaka fifteen dollars. Sletalina Sletlina uh, twenty two. <laughs> Alina Slavina Svetlina. Svetlina. <laughs> yeah, twenty two dollars. The broadcasters say it much better than me. Nice and clean. Uh, Andrescu twenty three dollars. Uh, Goff is twenty three dollars, Kvitova twenty three, Serena Williams twenty three, and Pliskova twenty nine dollars. Vika Azarenka's down there at twenty nine dollars. Also, thoughts here, Ace. I think when you look at it, you've got you know Schwartek and Barty at the top two. Again, looking at the seeding, there is a potential that they're both going to end up in the same quarter. Um, so you know if that were to occur, or even in the same half, that you can maybe look to some some value somewhere else. That, this one's a bit tricky because, you know, and you'll hear it said a lot that it is the most open women's Grand Slam in, in recent memory, and it is, but there's a whole bunch of either non-winners or um, players coming in with injury that just make this a whole lot more complicated. Barty's come in with injury. Andreescu's come in with injury. Osaka has barely played on clay, and when she has played on clay, it hasn't looked great. Um, you know, you, you continue to roll down. Serena Williams has looked pretty average in her, her time on court, so... There isn't a lot of form there. If you could get someone, I think, you know, some of the players who are a little bit 
more powerful but can cover the court reasonably well if they can get through the the tougher conditions that, that may be in store on the outside courts that are less protected, um, you know, looking like even a, a Petra Kvitova or the like, I think if they can get to the last eight, um, I think they're a genuine chance once you move into that centre court, the potential for the roof to be shut and, and playing in better conditions. The, the likes of Kvitova or even Sabalenka, which I never thought I'd say that about her in a Grand Slam, but she's mm-hmm. she's certainly playing well this year. I, I think they're some players to look for. Looking further down, if you're looking for unseated players who might float in and, and cause an upset or two, three names I'd probably keep an eye on. Paula Bedosa, who's just come off a recent title. Jill Teichman and even Fiona Ferro, who, who is a French woman who has, I think, had an injury cloud, but she's very good at protecting what that might be. Um, she's obviously at her best on clay when you look at her results over the last 12 to 18 months. So there are three that I would be wanting my my picks to be avoiding when the draw comes out on Friday. Mm. What about, uh, what about you, Marcos? Uh, what's your, how do you tackle the the women's versus the men's? Well, I think the women, the women's, I like betting in the women's, but I think the women's is generally hard. I, I'm not sure the most updated record, but there's been a lot of different winners in the last, is it 16, 20 tournaments or something now it's ranging? It hasn't yep. been the domination that we've seen in, mm. say, the two decades previous. Obviously, Serena dropping off. So there seems to be new winners more often than not, especially at the major level. Um, you know, it was the Swiatek unbelievable last year. For Steve to pick her out at $34 in the run she had, she was so dominant through winning that French Open. That's as good a performance as you will see. I know it's easy to say once they win a major, but the dominance that she performed, mm. and especially the price she started, that was uh, crazy. And she's, she looks like she's gone on with it so far this year. Um, and as Steve said, there's a lot of non-winners around. One I did want to ask about was Murga Rutha, who, who, who has had her time in the clay. What, what are your thoughts on her around the $10 mark? She is the player that will, will generally get up and, and do her best at, at the bigger tournaments. My just worry for her is she has been injured. I think she she bageled Putin Saver in Charleston and then, you know, a couple of games later pulled out with a, a knee injury. Again, had that flare up, I think, the other week um, playing against Pera and then got wiped off the court by Svitolina. So I think she's she's the type of player she needs to be 100% and yep. on you know firing on all cylinders to for everything to work for her. But she falls into that category of players that you're just not 100% sure if she's completely fit. It might be the case of, you know, if she does get a favourable draw, make a play for her. I'd rather get involved at the outright at a, at a bigger price for a smaller stake than, than get involved in, you know, trying to get her match to match when she's you know, giving up big handicaps early in the tournament. Yeah. Also, Steve makes a great point. The clay, the clay, the French Open is a two-week tournament. Mm. Um, you have to be at your optimum of fitness because the clay is the toughest to get through, and you very rarely would. Why you, is that? Because it's softer. The longer points. Okay. Generally, you know, it, it takes generally a lot more time on court to get through. Um, you know, the the work on the body's definitely harder, uh, and to back up. As well, so someone like Serena Williams, I know she's you know uh, uh, well into her late of her career. Um, she she will have her eyes fixed for Wimbledon again. Uh, the clay she's to tune up. She, yep. She'll have a throw at the stumps, but you know uh, as a winning chance, uh, she knows she can't get through seven games on the clay anymore um, to win the tournament. So I'd be surprised on her. And generally, the Americans don't go great on clay as a general rule. Anyway, um, you take Serena out of the mix. And their clay record's not great. 
Um, but anyone who Steve mentions in his uh, forecast of having injuries, I would stay well well away from because you can't carry injuries through in this tournament and win as opposed to grass where you do get softer tournaments. Mm. Anything to add there, Steve-O? Or? No, I think that sums it up pretty well. I, I think you it's, it's worth keeping an eye on, on how these players are looking early in the tournament. Obviously, with the women's, you know, you are seeing a little bit more, I guess, if you can find that value, you're seeing better prices in these outrights because they are playing best of three. It's easy to knock off a top player. But, you know, when you look through, you know, trying to remember that some of the, the recent form or, you know, even looking back to the, the form of, of players at the French Open last year, we're playing in a you know completely different time of the year. It's a bit like the, um, the U.S. Masters. They're, they're different conditions at the moment in France compared to the end of last year. So... And it's, it's going to be arguably a stronger field as well. There's more people who are invested in, you know, travelling around with the tour at the moment. So it's, it's worth keeping an eye out um, on, on how these players are looking early. Um, and look, as we said, there's a couple of non-winners there that need things to go right. They need other players to play poorly, I think, to progress. And, and I think if you can look for someone who can, you know, battle their way through those early stages and might enjoy the, the karma conditions in week two, then I think that's a, a good approach to take. When you mentioned the uh, the court conditions, what's the weather and the court expected to play? What what's your uh, your feel? I know we're a couple of days out still, but what what does it kind of suit going through? Not only the different type of year, but you know, heavy conditions as opposed to when it's cloudy or sun makes the the court speed way different. So, how, how are you uh, looking at that going forward? Yeah, I think one of the key things um, weather wise, and that was the case in qualifying overnight. Actually, was it was incredibly windy. Um, so, you know, looking at players and, you know, there was a lot of talk from, from Australians around Tanazi Kokonakis, who's, you know, come off a, a challenger title last week on clay, was knocked out in straight sets by Mackenzie McDonald, um, just didn't handle the windier conditions. You know, it, it can be a little bit heavier, it can be, you know, a little bit tougher again, you know, if, if it's not sunny and, you know, you're not getting that, that ball really bouncing up and, and kicking up, it can become a, a bit of a slugfest, particularly for some of the, the bigger players. Um, conversely, you know, if you can get someone who can hit through the clay enough, you know, be able to, you know, keep moving those, those players who are perhaps more reliant on their court coverage, then it can work to their advantage, but it's worth keeping an eye out on, on the conditions, but also what court that these players are playing on, because, you know, you can, they, they do have a roof now on, on centre court as well. So, you know, looking at the likes of Djokovic and Nadal, there shouldn't be an opportunity to really get against them. Um, in, in any conditions that are unfavourable. But if you go to the outside, players like a Sabalenka who hasn't handled the wind before, um, if she gets a windy day early, uh, she's she's one that I would have on, on upset alert. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. <clears throat> Fascinating uh, yeah, it's good insight intel. there. Very and, good uh, intel. You can get Ace's stuff uh, for free. So at Ace underscore previews uh, is his uh, Twitter handle there. Or you can just go to Little Birdie TV and uh, we'll tag him in our post of this episode's show and uh, he, he, he doesn't take life too seriously, our man Ace. He takes his tennis very seriously. But uh, if you see in his profile page on uh, Twitter, you'll see uh, someone's trolled him. You are a disgrace to tennis prediction. Obviously, uh, Ganesh missed the $34 last year on uh, Swiatek. So uh, very funny uh, work there from you, Ace. But uh, fantastic. Thanks uh, for joining us on the show. We'll get uh, – we'll get – We'll give you an opportunity to have a look at them for the first couple of days, and we'll get you back on the show next week, and uh, hopefully things are a little bit clearer on the women's side, and hopefully uh, Rafa, the good thing, is just going through his gears. But thanks for joining us uh, yet again. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. 
Fantastic stuff. Uh, looks like we've gone well over time here at Little Birdie headquarters. It's a massive week, but uh, we say that every week. It's just a cracking time to be betting at the moment. Uh, the European summer of sport is just starting to ramp up. We've had the golf last week. The tennis majors are starting to roll through, and it's uh, it's going to be uh, a big, big week in AFL and rugby league, no doubt. The outrage will just keep on continuing with uh, this concussion. It's, uh, it's all about it at the moment, and uh, fingers crossed we can get some uh, entertaining footy on the weekend. Make sure you follow us on uh, Apple or on Spotify or SoundCloud or just consume us on YouTube if you want to watch uh, the show. Big thanks to Punting Form and Top Sport. And uh, that's over for me. Yeah, big show. Good luck, punters, this week. Keep on betting. Stay calm. Stay calm.